great, isn't it? When um, pretty much your whole sermon has been preached already for you this morning. <laughs> so we can wrap it up in about two and a half minutes. So um, Francis got up, and then Clifford got up, and then Brian got up, and Steve got up. And um, so that you're awake this morning, I was challenged, because the, the, the theme that I um, was going for this morning is um, paradigm thinking. Um, and Steve wrapped it up just now in terms of that, so that's, that's good. Steve and I are on the same page. It's all right, I haven't got the same example as you. But um, Paul challenged me this morning because Paul, Paul is sat in a completely different place to where he normally sits. So, how, yeah, no, precisely. So if you're used to a pattern of sitting in the same seat and you've always wanted to sit where Brian sits, or, you know, Richard, you know, Richard always sits there, so you want to sit where Richard sits... Then now's your chance while well, I just open my Bible and rearrange things and because uh, it's uh, you know if you don't think you're worthy enough and you've always sat at the very back somewhere or uh, then you're you're very welcome to move seats. So before the, so that so I'm going to give you the. I've already given you what I'm going to preach about, but um, I'm going to give you the answer and then go back and wind it back a bit. There's, a, there's two bits I want to pick up this morning. One is um, that uh, the, the, the bit that we've been talking about, that Jesus is in the house. I wasn't here likewise um, um, like Steve last week, so I don't know what Paul um, um, spoke about, but from what Francis said and others spoke about, it's probably similar themes in terms of what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, so there's two things, Jesus in the house, and then this, this issue about long-term breakthrough. Long-term breakthrough. Long-term breakthrough. See, see what's challenged me um, in terms of this, and this is why um, we picked up our two leaves this morning, is um, we've got twin daughters. They're very beautiful. They, they went um, yesterday shopping with their mother and came back with... All sorts of things that, um, that I'm just so glad I didn't go shopping with them. <laughs> so we have, um, so, so do go and um, congratulate them on how beautiful they look this morning. They have their false nails on. They have um, clip-on earrings. They have new necklaces. And they both have two beautiful new dresses and shoes. And they're wearing it all this morning. So, so they are so excited that they've... Uh, so I saw the gluing on of nails this morning, you know, as I was trying to prepare for the word, there, there were the glittery nails going stuck on. So, um, so do congratulate them on how beautiful they look. Um, I've told them many times this morning. But three years ago, they were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Okay? And that's a chronic condition. I was thinking about it this morning because I work in the NHS and, and I think it's a fantastic, every, you know, people who actually experience the NHS say how brilliant it is. Those that like to comment outside of it, it annoys me because they know absolutely nothing and comment about um, all sorts of things which are just, just you know, um, if you've experienced it and you've experienced what a, an amazing, you go to any other country of the world, I was just talking to... Um, um, I went out with Luke the other night, um, Luke Christian Farman. He was telling me about 
um, his experience. And, and okay, he got stuff done, but how much did he have to pay for it? Well, you haven't got to worry, have you? Anyway, well, let's not do with the NHS this morning. I'll get on my ramp box for that. Um, um, but 100 years ago, my girls would not be with us today. So I, I'm so grateful. So what I speak about this morning is about what God can do. But I'm so grateful that God's given brilliant people, brilliant minds to do brilliant things. I work at um, um, an organization in London called the Royal Marsden. It pursues aggressively against cancer. And it does fantastic stuff, absolutely cutting-edge stuff um, in terms of, um, 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 the, the, you know, against cancer and what, what the ravages that cancer can do. And the, the, our medical director, he's, he's, um, he's near the end of his career, um, um, Professor Martin Gore. Um, he, he deals mainly with um, gynecological cancer. And when he started, and this is only probably as, as a consultant 30, 35 years ago, it was pretty much about giving people a few pills and hoping for the best. And just, so I'm so grateful to God that he's given brilliant minds and brilliant capabilities of people to be able to go after these things. And, um, and, and so I'm as, as thankful today that my daughters are alive from the brilliance of research and development that's gone on in diabetes. And I continue to pray there'll be a complete breakthrough for that illness. That one, that one because of my daughters. Um, whatever your condition, um, you know, um, pray for those that are, are in research and development. Pray that, 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 that um, things will, there will be breakthrough in there as much as that God will break through and de- deliver you from whatever it is that you've got there. But uh, just going back in terms of, I, I said it in leaders meeting the other night about Jesus in the house, and I, I just think this is fascinating. Um, I sort of um, said to Brian the other day, you always start, when you start in Mark chapter 2, you always start at verse 2, and I love verse 1, which says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. It was reported that he was at home. And we know the rest of the story because um, Brian's spoken on it a couple of times. So that was his home that he was, that he was um, rip, um, ripping open, or the, the, those that came to see him ripping, ripping open. And um, in, in, I've got all the verses, and, and um, I was going to do some PowerPoints, but I wasn't quite sure how to get them up from here. So I, I, they're on here, but not up there. But um, um, that, um, so in Matthew 4, verse 13, it says... Um, Jesus moved to Capernaum. It says, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. And then if you go back in chapter 1 of Mark, it says, and they, it's verse 21, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. And verse 29, and immediately he left the syn- synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. So I put it to you that um, Jesus actually lived at Simon's house. That was where he lived. And so when it was reported that he was at home in verse, um, chapter, verse 1 of chapter 2, that we returned to Capernaum and that he was reported he was at home, I, I, I take it that I've got no proof of it because when it, you look in Matthew chapter 4.13, it just says Jesus moves to Capernaum. It doesn't say his whole family moved. So, so I, can't, I can't prove it and nor can you disprove it, but I truly believe that he was living with Simon Peter in Simon's house 
And every time that they, you read it, every time they go from the synagogue back to, back to home, because that was the time when he, he, um, um, prayed for Simon's mother-in-law to, to, and she was recovered from, uh, whatever sickness that she had, and then she got off and served them. But, um, um, I would put it that, that, that's where, and the challenge for me is, would Jesus be welcome in my house? Would Jesus be welcome in my house? Because we sometimes mix, don't we, in terms of, I, 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 and I said this in leaders, I said, said in, in Acts, it talks about, so Paul, if you, if you read all the times that Paul is in the synagogue, Paul is reasoning, teaching, and debating. The disciples, they went to pray at the synagogue. And we know that because there was a time when, um, I think it's Acts chapter 3, is it, where he went to, and the, there was the lame man there, and they say, silver and gold we don't have, but what I have I give to you. That was outside of the, the, the synagogue itself. And I did a quick search, and, and I'm sure somebody, I was, it was a quick search, so, but if you look at what Jesus did, he did preaching, teaching, there was, there was one mention of casting out of a demon, um, there was a man healed with a withered hand, and there was a woman um, healed of a disabling spirit in the synagogue. But most of what Jesus did was outside of the synagogue, either on the streets, in the villages, or in people's homes. It's a paradigm thinking bit there, isn't there? We come to church and think it will happen at church. Actually, if you read the gospel and read Acts of the Apostles, it happened more time outside of the church than it did inside the church. I actually liked it, because um, uh, just, just to make you smile, that G- Jesus um, warns of um, a few times that... Um, that um, um, and I'll give you one quote from Matthew 10, 17, that there'll be flogging in the synagogue. So, um, and there's, there's about three quotes, three different quotes in the, if you just search on synagogue in your Bible, and there's three times that Jesus mentions flogging. So maybe we ought to start that on a Sunday morning. I don't know, you know. Um, so if you've misbehaved this week, we'll do public flogging in, in, in the church. But, um, so that was the bit in terms of Jesus in the house. And I just think, again, just, you know, we, we, we have that, we have that sense, don't we, that we come to church and it's all, it will all be done and sorted um, at church. But yet, um, in, um, uh, in, in reality, if you, read the, if you read the scriptures, more often it happened outside than, 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 than inside. So in terms of long-term breakthrough then, I, I, and again, I just did a quick look through um, the scriptures, and I may have missed some, and, and um, others will... Uh, um, I'm sure have more examples. But Mark 2, that we've already referred to, the paralytic man, we don't know how long he was in that condition. We don't know. So I can't, I can't speculate on that one. But in John 5, the man by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years, 38 years he had an infirmity. Luke 8, and, and this is in three of the Gospels, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. 12 years. I love that story. I absolutely love it because it was um, at the time that Jesus is on his way to, to sort out Jairus' daughter and, and she, this woman touches him. She'd spent all on physicians, got nowhere. And yet one touch. One touch. She knew if she just touched him. 
she would be made well. See, the challenge for me, and I, I just, I know that if Jesus was stood here, as in, you know, 2,000 years ago, and, and I brought my two daughters to him, they would be healed. And the challenge is for me. The challenge is for me. So this is me speaking to me. And if you get something from it, then great. But the challenge for me, I pray, I pray every night, pretty much every night with them about their diabetes to be healed. I pray that research and development will, 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 will come about such that, that um, there'll be such progress in, in there because the, the long-term um, impact of type 1 diabetes is not nice. If they don't get their blood sugar levels, they might never become mums themselves. You know, and, and some of the longer term conditions are not great. You know, but there was another man. There was another man um, who was born blind, John chapter 9. His disciples wanted to know who had done something wrong such that this man was in this condition. You can see how their thought pattern worked. How many times had they seen Jesus heal people? Yet, yet this, is, this is not the beginning of his ministry, but partway through his ministry. And yet the disciples were still debating on whether this man had done something wrong, that he was born blind. Jesus came about to upset our thinking, didn't he? The paradigms, the patterns, the way that we believe things, the way that we uh, um, um, challenged ourselves about such things. Luke 13 um, a woman with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over, couldn't lift her head. 18 years. And then, um, one of my, again, one of my favorite stories is in Matthew 20, Mark 10, and Luke 18, but the blind men that were healed. In all three versions that were written about, because you sometimes read the different versions of a healing, and there's slightly different commentary about them, but I love it about this one, that in all three... It says exactly the same thing, which Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I love that. Well, Lord, I've got, I've got something wrong with my big toe. Or, or, or you know, I, I, I tripped over and my knee's hurting a bit. Um, you know, was it not obvious to Jesus? Was it not obvious? But what do you want from him? What are you pursuing for your breakthrough? Be specific. What is it that you want? But the story I want to go to is in Mark chapter 9. So that was my introduction, and that was 10 minutes, and I've got 10 minutes more, and then we'll hopefully finish. So, Mark chapter 9, and verse 14. And you've got the context again as Jesus has just been transfigured and has come down from the mountain. And, and again, I, th I hadn't noticed this until um, this week as I was studying. It's immediately after this section um, about the bit that I want to read, verse 14, that then they have an argument about who's the greatest. And, it, and, I, and I thought about it. And I thought, I know this is nothing to do, but it just, just you can have this for free. Um, that, that, um, that Jesus was up the mountain with Peter, James and John. And how special they must have felt. And they'd have come down and told the rest of the disciples about what it was that they saw up on the mountain. No matter how scared and how, um, you know, the, the frightening it had been, yet they would, and then immediately, after this, this story that we're going to read, they're then having an argument about who's the greatest. 
And I suspect it was Peter, James and John going, well, we must be the greatest because we've been up the mountain with Jesus and saw all of that. And you can imagine how the others felt. And you can read for yourself how Jesus dealt with it, how brilliantly, once again, he dealt with it. But verse 14, and they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? You see, Jesus was interested in that. Jesus is interested in how long you have been in the condition that you've been. Whether it's a physical thing or whether it's a mental thing. Whether it's a sin that, that, that it just doesn't seem to shift. Whatever it is, whatever the long-term issue is for you, there is breakthrough. There is breakthrough. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So again, we don't know exactly how many years that is, but it could be, I don't know, 10, 15 years maybe. And it's often cast him into fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, a crowd came, came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And um, so the father could have concluded he'd already, he'd already seen years of his son in this condition. He brought it to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. And he could have concluded and walked away at that point and said, there is no hope. God does not favor me. He could have concluded there were no solutions. When Jesus spoke and said, all things are possible, he could have concluded and said, he meant to say some things are possible. And only if God is in a good mood will he sort out my condition. Some things and sometimes, but God says all things and all times. Perhaps Jesus was insensitive to focus upon his faith or his level of faith. It's a bit unfair, Jesus, isn't it? And then perhaps declaring, Lord, I believe, was a lie. 
his experience had proved otherwise. And I'm sure that 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 resonates with, you know, one of those might resonate, and I'm sure there's others that you can come up with yourself that resonate with yourself in terms of the thing that you've been dealing with. Yet many of you come and picked up leaves this morning, and that's fantastic. That really is great. That shows that there's a paradigm shift in your thinking. That your mindset, I've got two leaves for my two daughters, because I continue to believe that there will be a day when they're free. They're completely free from diabetes. See, Jesus turned the focus from divine willingness because Jesus, he asked him, Lord, if you're willing. Jesus turned it from divine willingness and ability of the Father's personal beliefs. If you can, all things are possible. The Father was invited to a higher level, a higher perspective. See, as we've seen, the Bible often describes long-standing issues to stir hope. 38 years you've been sat by the pool and Jesus walks along. It might be just this morning, as Brian said, that he's not going to walk along the same way again. 38 years. How long have you had your condition? How long? See, there are um, two great hurdles for belief. The first is what I already know. What I already know. And the second is what I already believe. Two hurdles. What I already know and what I already believe. See, the father knew his son's terrible plight. He had no power. He weeps over his child. He knows that the disciples have failed. He knows he's at the end of his resources. All the evidence says that nothing will change. Nothing will ever change. That's what he knows. He hears the words of hope, but he already knows that he's not fully able to believe. There's too much evidence staring him in the face. He believes that that's it. He knows that God is good. We know that God is good. But he believes that God is not willing because he lacks the ability to fully trust. See, one of my favorite quotes, um, uh, which, which I often quote to myself, you have, sometimes you have to quote these things to yourself, don't you? But one of my favorite quotes is, do you read what you believe, or do you believe what you read? So is your paradigm such that you read what you already believe, rather than believing what is written in front of you? Because oftentimes our circumstances shout out to us so loudly. I have it before me every Every day with my daughters, four at least four times a day, they inject themselves with insulin. Four times a day, they prick their fingers and, and take their, um, their blood um, sugar levels. At least four times a day. I have it in front of me. Every single day, saying, 
This is the evidence, Marcus. What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? See, our conclusions about our circumstances are more important than the conclusions themselves. See, I just want to refer back to um, just finishing then in terms of the experience of the 12 spies in Numbers 13. Which camp are you going to sit in? Two groups of people saw exactly the same circumstances. Exactly the same circumstances. Their perspective on what they saw affected their personal destinies. Will we be like the ten who thought that they had an untrustworthy God and perceived their own inadequacies? Or are we going to be like Joshua and Caleb who saw the circumstances through God's promises? God's perspective on our circumstances is completely different. I was reading in Isaiah, just, just happened to be going through Isaiah this um, um, last couple of weeks in terms of my readings, and I've got to Isaiah 55, and you'll all know this um, passage very, very well, but I'll quote it anyway. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we need to cry out to God with a true pattern, a true paradigm of thinking that he has about our circumstances, our situation. We've heard it this morning from Francis, from Clifford. We've heard it um, from Brian and from Steve. And we've heard it in the songs that we sung. John, you know, John said, didn't he, there's, a, there's an anointing, or both John said, there's an anointing upon you make me brave. Are you going to be brave? That thing that's been holding you down, that has consistently said, has championed itself over your rights and your destiny. I'm preaching as much to myself about my daughter's and will I continue to believe? Will I continue to challenge myself that they will be free? And I will celebrate as much if research and development um, is in such a way that their, either their pancreas starts working again or they have a system that such that, that they don't have to inject themselves and, and constantly worry about their blood sugar levels. I will celebrate as much as that as upon Jesus coming and touching them one day and making them whole. And so your condition, it might be physical, it might be mental, it might be something that happened so many years ago, you thought that the pattern that I walk my life now day by day is never ever going to change. And God says to you this morning, all things are possible. All things are possible.
think we've come to a finish now in terms of that. But I would just like those that, um, I don't, I, as Brian said, I want you to, to for yourself. But it would be good if, if, so those that have picked up a leaf already, if anyone's got any testimony, I'm sure John would be, have a couple of minutes to listen to some testimonies from people. But if that's you, should we just, should we just, um, maybe those that, that have, have got something that they just, you don't want, they want prayer for, that they would just stand where they are. And those around them would just lay hands on them and pray with them. So if that's you and God's spoken to you this morning, it might be something physical, it might be something mental, it might be something that just God has challenged you afresh this morning. It might be for somebody else. For me, it's for my daughters. But if that's you, then maybe just stand. And that those that are around you, so if that's you, do stand now. And if there are people around you, then, then please, you, you need to engage people. If there are people around you standing, then you go and pray for them. And I'll, I'll pray generally and we'll, we'll finish. John, do come up. Um, but if there are people standing near you, you go and pray for them. If, they, if, they, if there's nobody um, standing with somebody else, um, look round, guys. If there are people standing, you go and pray with them. And I'll just pray, Father, Father, I want for my daughters that breakthrough. Help me to have that mindset that says breakthrough, breakthrough, long-term breakthrough. We, we declare whether it's, whether it's three years like my daughters or 38 years or even longer, Lord. We declare that today, today, Lord, there will be breakthrough in our thinking. Such that that thing that has held us down for so long that has affected our destiny will no longer. And that God today will restore the years that the locust has eaten because of breakthrough. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here. Holy Spirit, touch each and every one that has stood and said, I need that breakthrough. Father, that we would go out today with a paradigm shift in our thinking. Lord, we wouldn't play the old records of this isn't possible. God, only some things are possible. I'm not in favor. Do it, we pray. Do it, we pray. Lord, that we would be like Joshua and Caleb and see that your promises are so much stronger than our circumstances. Because you're a good God. Amen. Amen. Amen.